Welcome, welcome to the Tipping Points. It is February 23rd, and we're in Kingston, New York. And with us tonight, as a guest, um, I mean, you're always here. I always say, as always, Mad Edge. But maybe someday you won't be, I don't know. But Matthew Edge is here. Thank you for being here. I, I can't promise I'll always be here. <laughs> that's, always that's, be here. that's beyond my control. John. I'm pointing to my heart right now. You'll always be here. Uh, Matthew Edge is a political scientist, a coffee roaster, a attorney, a surfer. Brah? Yeah, brah. Yeah, brah. Yeah, brah. Uh, executive director of the People's Empowerment Project. And uh, thank you so much for being with us tonight, Matthew. Thank um, you. I'm also here. Hey, I'm here. Um, it's John House Wilson, yeah, your host. Um, and I don't know, I fancy myself an educator, activist, uh, comedian. I don't know what else. Um, but uh, yes, it's great to be back. It's been a minute. Um, and uh, we have two other guests with us tonight. We have uh, a returning champion here. We have Jaybridge Goldsacks is back. Hello. Good to be back. Good to be back. Good to see you, Jaybridge. Good, uh, good to see you as well, John. <laughs> you look classy tonight, Jaybridge. I always do. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm glad you wore the tux to the studio. I, I was... usually do when I'm not wearing my smoking jacket. <laughs> Jaybridge is uh, a billionaire and industrialist um, who is known for uh, living... Quite a unique life in the public eye, uh, but thank you so much for being here, Jay Bridge. Weekends in Prague, skiing trips in the Swiss Alps, you know, just just a normal, just a normal fellow. Yeah, normal, a normal fellow, yes, indeed. Um, but uh, actually, tonight we have a, a new guest, and her name is Eleonora Witherington III. <laughs> Welcome, Eleonora, or should I call you Miss Witherington? Is that... Um... Yes, Miss Miss Witherington. <laughs> Great, wonderful, Miss Witherington. Um, you are the heiress of the uh, Whiskers Cat Food Fortune. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. Okay, that's a yes. household name. All species of whiskers <laughs> get the whiskers. <laughs> yes, that's the classic slogan of the it whiskers. Is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you recognize it. Well, I'm thanks. flattered. <laughs> well, it's really a pleasure to have you here. It's it's really amazing to. That you came all the way to Kingston, New York, to talk to us. Yes, it was, you know, a trek, but <laughs> yeah, I, I made it here. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yes, wonderful to have you. Um, so we're here again to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. But first, right off the bat, the candidates and who we think maybe would be the best candidate to get money out of politics and maybe reform some of the American system. Um, and we can tie back into that for a second, but there's some reasons to believe that maybe Bernie Sanders would be the candidate who can do that. Most significantly, um, his ability to be Trump really stands out, and we're not going to get anywhere with money in politics if Trump is the president. And so that's like the threshold question. Beyond that, once elected, no one has the history of fighting for social justice to the degree that Bernie has and the consistency. And there's no reason to believe that he's going to do an about face once he gets into office. And so um, that's why the people's empowerment project is encouraging people who want to get campaign finance reform to, to support Bernie. And so there's a lot to be done between now and Iowa. And so, yeah, if people want to get involved, you might want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, so encouraging, not necessarily endorsing, but we, yeah. So the organization doesn't endorse because that means we have to sort of, um, give a green light on an entire candidate's platform, which is broader than the organization's purview. Um, so we simply 
make an assessment of which candidate is best to get campaign finance reform done. And we've done that. And we've we've concluded that Bernie, because of his electability and because of his history of fighting for social justice issues, that he's the best to do that. And let's talk a little bit about in Iowa, 2016, Bernie got 49.6% of the vote. Hillary Clinton got 49.8. So that was, it wasn't an upset. He didn't win, but it was, it was a huge victory for the Sanders campaign because he outperformed his polls, outperformed his polls. Right. Uh, And then went on in New Hampshire to win. Correct. By 20 points. By 20 points in New Hampshire. Really outperformed. The polls going into New Hampshire showed him losing. Yeah. And he is polling right now in New Hampshire. He's the front runner. He's the front runner. He is the front runner in New Hampshire, 19.7% to Biden's 19%. And so I think it's important to look at at Bernie's path uh, to the nomination. And if he can win Iowa, that's going to dispel a lot of the murmurings out there in the mainstream media and elsewhere that he's unelectable, that he's not good to go against Trump. Um, If he can come off with an Iowa victory, that will dispel a lot of that and give him momentum going into New Hampshire, which could add a few points there, give him a better shot at, if he wins both of those states, then a better shot in Nevada. Um, am I saying that right? Nevada? Nevada? I, I know that, that there's a thing there. But Nevada? 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 I think it's probably Nevada. Nevada? I don't know. Right. It's Oregon, not Oregon. All right. Anyways, <laughs> um, if he can win Iowa and New Hampshire, then he's in a really strong place in Nevada where he's neck and neck a little behind Biden. Um, that may push him over the top. And then comes South Carolina, which he's likely to lose. But if he can win three of the first four states, that would be a huge momentum booster. We'll see money pouring in. We'll see all these self-serving politicians deciding now they want to endorse Bernie Sanders because they want to be friends with the, the likely victor. And so, <laughs> and so yeah. So I, all this to say, everything we can do in the next week and a half to help Bernie along is big bang for the buck. And I really would encourage anyone who's concerned about climate change, the climate crisis, the likelihood of a Green New Deal, all these things to see what they can do to help Bernie. Okay, so there's there's a couple of things to talk about there. There would be one talking about polling um, because polling has been known to be right and polling has been known to be wrong. <laughs> so there's some good conversation there. Yep. There's also a conversation about how to get involved in these these states that seem far off, right? There kind of seems like another place. But I do want to go real quick. I do want to have a little bit of a convo with our billionaires here. What do you think about Bernie Sanders trying to get money out of politics? What do you guys think about that? Well, he's adorable, isn't he? Adorable. I mean, what, what, a, what a lovely idea. But we, we, we all know this isn't going to work. <laughs> it's very funny. Really? So you don't, you don't think it would work? You don't think... You know, Biden and I, we, we go way back. You know, like back in... 1985 he 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 made some investments in in whiskers <laughs> and you know he's he's successful he's 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 a politician that knows how to get things done mm. yeah there's been a big conversation about that about getting things done exactly it's actually one of the things that bernie has been smeared with recently um by hillary clinton uh who in a, a documentary that's i believe coming out on hulu said that bernie didn't get anything done with his time in the senate and that he's considered to be like a, yeah, a do nothing you know he's like a rabble rouser who doesn't actually get stuff done 
But Biden's saying, like, I'm going to get stuff done because I'm, you know, I know how to get it done. And I am a hubba dubba da. Bernie got the, the moniker of the, the Amendment King. And that's because he's been able to sort of go into legislation as it's as it's passing and make deals and get good things done for working people uh, through the amendment process. And it's not exactly the most like glorious role, but it's an example of somebody who's not looking to try to get credit for things, but actually going and actually passing things that actually make a difference in people's lives. And he's got a really strong history of doing that. Mm. And so I would push back against that that narrative strongly. Well, I also remember during the McCain-Sanders veterans bill that they were working on together, right? There, it's Bernie Sanders, independent Democratic socialist, working with a Republican to try to get money to support the VA and veterans because... It's an epidemic of veterans, homeless, uh, dealing with mental health problems, serious you know, physical health problems, long waits, that he was criticized by Democrats um, and others because he was willing to potentially compromise – not compromise, I shouldn't say that, but work with people who have a real interest in helping – you know, working class people or people who are struggling. So, I mean, that was huge. That was, I mean, he spearheaded that. And that is a, is a, is a important issue. So there's like a, there's like two or three things that he was focused on laser like for a long time that were incredibly important. And uh, I mean, it's amazing to have people characterize him as, as somebody who didn't get anything done based on popularity or based on how much they're liked in the Senate. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I've heard from people who work in the Senate and in, in, in the house that he is not well liked among Congress, and I think maybe for good reason. I mean, yeah, I maybe think, that's a good thing. I think Congress is pulling somewhere around cockroaches. Um, they have been for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, and so that actually may play well to the American public, and I don't think is a good rubric for trying to determine electability or or how well somebody can get something done. You know, let's talk a little bit more, a little bit about Joe Biden. I think there's a lot there, and we, we potentially may have an entire episode committed to him, especially if certain things are happening in the coming month. If it's a long, protracted battle, um, we may have to really start talking more and more about Joe Biden if he continues to be neck and neck with Bernie Sanders. But um, there's some reason to be concerned about Joe, Uncle Uncle Joe Biden. Um, I I, Jay Bridge, I do want to ask you, do you know Joe Biden at all? Have you? Joe's a good friend of mine. Uh, I have him on my speed dial. And sometimes we just, um, I just sit back with a cold one on the on the veranda and I, I call him up and we talk about his day and we talk about his wife and, you know, we talk, we just talk like uh, old friends would. Wow, do you would you be willing to comment? Have you contributed towards his campaign? Can we? I always do. I always do, and I will continue to. Okay, great. That's wonderful. That that's on record here. And, and I think it's worth mentioning that Trump is going to have a field day with that. That I think Trump was able to defeat Hillary Clinton in the, in the electoral college because a lot of the problems that people are seeing with political elites applied to Hillary Clinton. And those same things will apply to, to Joe Biden. And everyone's drinking this Kool-Aid that Joe Biden is the most electable. Uh, you know, truth be told, on the RCP averages, Joe Biden is doing the best uh, against Trump, but by about 1% over Bernie. But I think it's worth mentioning that I think that's, you know, his campaign sort of like powered on donuts and frosted flakes. And as more and more people. Hey, what do you what do you mean by that? What is. Well, I, that, that it's 
a lot of it is sort of the idea people have of who mm. Joe Biden is mm. and and people who are nominally paying attention to politics. I think as the Trump campaign, you know, Soren's eye turns to Joe Biden, that we're going to see a lot of the problems that Joe Biden had as a candidate with plagiarism, with supporting corporate friendly policies like NAFTA, the Iraq war, all of these things as we dig deeper. And believe me, that is going to happen. That's, you know, everyone's like very critical of progressives who criticize Joe Biden, but it's like, don't fool yourself. Once the general election comes around, these things are going to be what we're dealing with. And if we don't deal with them now in the primary, the vetting process, we're doing ourselves a disservice. And so I think it's really important that we talk truth about about Joe Biden and his record, because that's going to be a very detrimental thing to to the, the effort to defeat Donald Trump. Yeah, it's interesting because you have like the record of Joe Biden where you can say, no, there's a lot in there that you could kind of dig up and problematic stuff. Because, yeah, I mean, Donald Trump uh, actually did not support the war in Iraq. He said, like, what well, comment on Howard Stern and Democrats slam him for it. But he was actually very critical of some of these Middle Eastern involvements. And he also didn't necessarily support free trade, although it's probably never for the right reason and we shouldn't praise him for it. But he can go after Biden on those things and that his long track record may be problematic where Bernie Sanders, his long track record might be able to be an asset. Right. Because he's been saying the same thing for 40 years. Yeah. And because there's maybe not a lot of dirt there. Right. And so with 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 Sanders, the more you dig, the more good stuff you hear. Like he's basically been doing and fighting for the same things his entire career. Whereas with Joe Biden, you've got this facade of electability. But when you really the more you dig and you're seeing this actually in if you compare the national polls where Joe Biden's doing much better and that's in places where there's not an active campaign happening, Joe Biden's doing great because people aren't paying as much attention. But in the states where there's active campaigning, he's not doing nearly as well. Mm-hmm. And that just I think that that's that's sort of a prelude of what's to come in the general election. When people pay attention to Joe Biden, he does worse. When people pay attention to, to Bernie Sanders, he does better. And I think that's significant. That is. Yeah. And, and also kind of the voters themselves and how motivated they are because will Biden voters actually go out if it's like a cold and snowy day on February the 3rd? Um, Nobody's enthusiastic about Joe Biden. And the polls play this out. Every single poll says, they, yeah, they, I'll vote for him. They, they like, I'll like do what him, I have to do. But the but the Bernie people will probably brave the cold to go caucus. Um, and the Biden people, eh, they like him. They like him. It's kind of a different, a different feeling. Um, they're, uh, yeah, so in the latest primary poll averages, Biden is... They have him up by 26.7 to Sanders 20.5. But there are some reasons to be concerned about polling, period, right? There's some reasons to be like maybe this polling doesn't represent reality. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, of, I'm of two hats in this. I mean, I get a lot of people coming to me being like, polls, schmoles. Like, I've never been polled. Polls, schmoles. Polls, schmoles. I've never been polled. I don't know anyone who's been polled. And there's a lot of shit talking about polls. And I get it. Like, yeah, it seems like it's not so much part of our lives. But if you actually look at polls and you look at the records, you see, you can actually see what did they predict and then what happened over the last 50 years. And not all polls, but most polls, the records are actually pretty good. And when you average them together, it actually gives you a pretty good, accurate representation of what the race is going to be. And so I would not be so quick to dismiss polls. That said, there are some problems with polls. Name The, the first being that any poll that's an outlier 
gets a shit ton of media attention. And so everyone's like, oh, this pulse is something other than all these other polls. And so everyone focuses on it. It's news. It's sensational. And so what the, the result of that is that people get misinformed on what's actually happening because these outlier polls get all this coverage. Yeah. And so I think the, the antidote to that is to look at polling averages. And RCP, which is a center-right website that you shouldn't like read the articles in, it's like bad news. <laughs> but they do do a polling average, and that, that is a good way to get a sense of the race. And, well, and, and also looking at like I'm looking at 538, and they're doing they're doing polling averages, and it does say like Bloomberg is like 7.5 national, and that number to me does not mean that he's going to be receiving 7.5 percent of the vote in individual states, right? So there's obviously a difference between the national and the state polls. Right. But I was like, really, Bloomberg? I was like, he's even on here? Well, he's, I thought he was he's, at like one percent. He's spending money everywhere. He's not even looking – You know, most of the candidates are spending money strategically in the order that the states are going to come. He's He's got so much money that it's nothing to him, so he's just spending money everywhere. So that makes sense. He doesn't he would... have that much money. <laughs> oh, yeah? Debbie, do you know Mike? Do you know uh, Mr. Bloomberg? Yeah. Yeah. I've known him for a long time. He's, a, he's okay. He's a nice guy, I guess. Yeah? But he doesn't have that much money. Let's not flatter the guy. <laughs> More like a lower, lower class Yeah, I would say he's like, uh, you know, like one of the lower – you know, I, I invite him to parties, but just to be nice. Wow. <laughs> wow, that is impressive. I mean, I I believe his total net worth is like, uh, it's in the billions. I mean, billions well, and billions. Well, of course. Whose is it? But the, the lower billions. billions. <laughs> Do you folks not consider millionaires to be wealthy? Let's, I let's just... call him lower upper class. Lower upper class. Wow. That is that. I mean, he. I think his personal fortune is somewhere around, oh, I'm looking it up here. I think it's. I mean, he gave away eight point two billion. So let's just say that that's a lot of money. That's not that much money. <laughs> Jaybridge, do you engage in philanthropy? Or are you? God no, <laughs> philanthropy. No, you, you do not. No, no. Because a I lot of people not. like I'll, Jeff. I'll have that on the record. I do. I do not consider myself a philanthropist. You do not. I'm an uh, industrialist and a financialist, and I'm many other things, but definitely not a philanthropist. Wow. Okay, coming strongly out against giving your money towards... I don't believe in it. I never have. <laughs> By the way, uh, Michael Mike Bloomberg's uh, net worth is $60 billion. So that's... Tiddlywinks. <laughs> to put that in perspective, the amount that's spent on both sides in a presidential election is, you know, $1.5 billion in, yeah, in, in really... previous elections. So, th so if he wanted to, he can, and he is, outspending the field. And he is promising then if he is not the candidate to also spend on the election. Right. But I am concerned about him. You know, a lot of the advertisements are done through bidding. Mm. And so if you have somebody in there that has unlimited sums of money, that could put basically everyone else who's not a billionaire at a disadvantage. Because in a bidding war for Facebook ads, YouTube ads, whatever, um, if he's willing to pay more, then their message won't be heard and his will. And so that's a problem. Yeah, that is a problem. Also, I do want to I do want to reiterate this. Um, the Intercept and some other folks did some great reporting where Mike Bloomberg, just so we know, he exploited prison labor to make campaign phone calls. I just want to say that because I want to make that very clear. What, what's so messed up about it is that some of the people that were in prison may be in prison from Bloomberg's stop and frisk policies. So you may actually have people making phone calls. For Mike Bloomberg from prison that were put in prison because of Mike Bloomberg. That's one of the darkest things I could 
possibly imagine. That is, that is di- truly dystopian. I mean, the fact that you can be a prison laborer and get paid cents on the dollar is already dark enough. Uh, have either of you folks ever u- utilized prison labor? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. I, that is that is incredibly important, upsetting. I'm not sure what to say. Okay. Yeah, you upsetting? Have. In the manufacturing of your Whiskers products? We have to keep these people busy. The, okay. It would be criminal to just let them rot behind bars. Criminal. Ooh, I like that. That was was that purposeful? That was, and all of them got a pet cat. I don't know what cat. you're referring to. They got what? A pet cat. A pet cat. Yeah. They got you gave each one of them Yeah, a pet. as they were tinning the cans of cat food. They oh get, wow. They, they got to have a cat too. So they got paid See, it was, in like It was mutual. Cats. Mutual respect wow. and Would you would would the, either of you support a Bloomberg presidency? He's all right. Yeah, he he could do it. I don't see what would be wrong with him in the presidency. Okay, so you, no no issue with a billionaire class running for president using their income to buy the presidency. I mean, I mean, buy- he looks out for my interests. I mean, I feel like we are in a similar class, even though I do look down on him a little bit. I could get behind a lot of what he would be interested in. I would probably be interested in too. Wow. Well, it, it doesn't look like he will probably be the candidate. Um, although, hey, Buttigieg is in there right polling about at the same level on a national level, um, where he's about 7.3% to Bloomberg, 7.5%. Uh, Buttigieg, Wine Cave, Buttigieg um, is, is competitive. Um, and I, I find it slightly problematic <laughs> for a number of reasons. Well, he's taking money from billionaires hand over fist. And only competing with Joe Biden in the billionaire department for for their money, um, which you know you get makes you wonder who are they going to support the people that got them there or you know working class people. If Biden can consolidate the so called centrist vote or the you know the, the traditional corporatist candidate vote, um, then you're going to have Warren and Sanders splitting the progressive vote. And that could basically elect Biden. No, oh God, this makes me almost want to talk about Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, and if they are, okay. we're not going to talk about. Their no, no, no. Text, I don't want to talk right? about. I don't know. I don't want to talk about the thing. There's been wanna, enough. There's been enough talking. I about don't want to talk about the thing. Although I do kind of want to talk about. Like, do you think that they can still coordinate to not screw? Sorry, me, screw over each other. No, I'm going to stick with it. Screw over each other and destroy the progressive chance. Uh, for nomination like uh, are their campaigns coordinating are they talking to each other are they going to be able to have some kind of agreement so they don't just split that vote because guess what uh, sanders and warren together that beats biden that beats biden and some of those Buttigieg voters maybe are going to go to sanders or warren ah. they're not going to go to sanders the Buttigieg supporters are mostly going to go to the centrists going to go towards biden the highly educated well-off people who support both Buttigieg and warren will ultimately go towards Warren, I think. Okay, so we're not we're not going to talk about it, right? <laughs> well, I mean, ideally, I, I mean, I ideally there would be some progressive pact between the two of them, and they'd say, you know, before Super Tuesday, whoever's ahead is going to be the candidate, but you know the way that egos work, and, and it's not just egos. It's like they have these whole campaign apparatus behind them, and, and all these supporters, and they don't want to let their supporters down, and they've got all this money in the bank ready to spend in California and Texas. And so it's really hard once that once that ship has sailed to turn that one about. 
Oh, boy. Okay, well, let's talk about taking action. Um, uh, we got to have at least a little conversation to make people feel a little bit more empowered because, you know, I feel the darkness encroaching when I think about especially Warren and Sanders and mom and dad fighting. I'm sorry, I shouldn't call them that. It's But it's like, you know, this infighting between the progressive uh, candidates. So let's talk about taking action. Um, and there's a whole series of states, boom, 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 primaries are coming down the line. What can what can people do to influence that process? What what can be done? So I think, I mean, the three big things are letter writing. People are doing, like, handwritten letters um, to people in Iowa. There's massive phone banking happening for Bernie. Um, and text banking. The, the phone banking is happening at, I think they're making, like, 500,000 calls a day, approximately, wow. which is unprecedented and encouraging. That, you know, when you're making a call, you know you're doing that with tens of thousands of other people. And we've been doing the text banking in Kingston. Uh, it's been interesting because we're reaching out, I think, to a lot more people than you'd get on phone calls. Sending out, I think the campaign sent out, sent out over 90 million texts. So wait, text, bank, text banking is sending out texts to potential supporters or to people in certain locations two, in the states? Two main camps. You've mm-hmm. got two kinds of text banks. You've got the ID, where you're identifying who, which voters support Bernie, which ones don't. Um, and that's really useful when it comes time to get out the vote to know who your supporters are. And that's really the name of the game of what 90% of what campaigns do sure. is identif- identifying campaign. who your voters are. Sure. So what you can did not do in Wisconsin. And so you can spend money on sending mailers, ex- you know, people to the door to your voters to make sure they get to the polls, hell or high water. And that's so important for the election. And so, you know, text banking can be discouraging because you're getting a lot of negative information. You're getting a lot of people who are like Trump train 2020, you know, all that stuff. But we're like, oh, cool. Thank you for that information. We're not going to send our volunteer to, you know, you hostile, angry person to, like, wear out our volunteers. We're going to send them to this door that's thinking about Bernie Sanders. And so when all these campaigns, when push comes to shove on GOTV weekend, get out the vote weekend, having that list cold and knowing who the voters are is going to be so valuable. And the fact that Bernie's got a massive apparition. Apparition, a massive operation. <laughs> His apparition is huge. He hovers a hundred <laughs> feet over the Iowa. Yeah, that he's got this huge operation um, is is going to be significant. And I think, and not to be like you know, pandery, but it's kind of fun. I mean, we've been getting together with friends, and we've been having a party and we're sending texts. And so we're able to have conversations, help each other out with the texts that we get and say, how do we respond to this? And when somebody gets a birdie supporter, they're like, woohoo. Um, and so that's, I think it's fun. And the other thing we're doing with the text banking is uh, reaching out to volunteers, people who have identified as, as Bernie Sanders supporters, letting them know, Hey, there's a, a phone banking party in your neighborhood, or there's an event where Bernie and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is speaking. Can you show up and doing some of that? work as well and so that's the second part of text banking that i think is really important but for people who are interested in doing it if you just google bernie sanders text banking they give you tutorials everything you need to know to do it invite your friends over i really encourage people to do it together it's a good way to you know boost morale make it fun play some music have some good times and make a difference and it's encouraging like there's a lot of stress on people right now the climate crisis is impending our chances are bleak but doing something i think is the best antidote to that feeling empowered making a difference taking action like 
It's so therapeutic. Okay, so so part of the sell here, right, the tipping point is, if Bernie won the Iowa caucus, he's leading in New Hampshire, he would be the candidate. No one has ever not been the candidate. So there's a reason to believe that that would be, boom, he is the candidate, and he is polling at, uh, he would beat Trump. Right, we have some numbers on that. Uh, let's see if I can find him. The, the RCP averages show him four point five um, average above Trump nationally, and, and he's he's almost as good as Biden. Biden Biden is beating Biden's him about a percentage point more, but percentage I think that's point largely more. because of low information voters, and that's going to change. So Bernie's like worth betting on. Well, and again, and also the liability stuff there, right? Bernie, the, the, when they come after these candidates because they're big piles of money and Trump. They're going to go after whoever the candidate is. And for Bernie, we already know what the drumbeat's going to be. He's a socialist. But he doesn't have many skeletons in his closet. You can't call him corrupt. They call him Crazy Bernie. Mm -hmm. But Crazy Bernie doesn't sound as good as corrupt Hillary. Right? Crazy Bernie. Biden. Corrupt Biden. Oh, well, I mean, that's, that's something we didn't talk about in the impeachment trial, is that the Republicans are going to take over the proceedings, I think, tomorrow or the next day. And when they take over, that trial... That's going to be carried on CNN and Fox News nonstop for days for like 12 hours a day is going to be about Hunter Biden. That's what they're going to talk about for days. I think and, the- it, and, and, and there is some reason to be concerned about the vice president's son getting appointed to be the uh, on the board of a gas company in the Ukraine. There's some reason to be concerned. I'm not saying that anything bad happened. It doesn't but- bother me. <laughs> Yeah, that's right, Jaybridge. Um, two of your sons are also uh, on the board of Ukrainian gas. And oil. I try to get most of my sons, or even just people in the, my extended. Are you not saying daughters? You're not saying daughters. Well, my you daughters, do have no. My daughters as well have internships uh, with other boards and in, okay. in other developing countries. But your two sons do have positions on ukrainian gas and oil i think that's just a beautiful thing to do for a kid in your family you know get them that internship get them their foot in the door get them some sort of small position to start them on their way to glory and if it's a you know just a a 30 40 million dollars a year is is a reasonable first income i think for um for a child for so for you so for you it's like that's the equivalent of somebody buying their kid a car when they go to college, oh, right? I Getting did, like I a Toyota Camry when no, they go to No, no, it's not like okay. You know, it's just uh, looking out for for somebody in your family who's coming up in the and world. You don't consider that nepotism. So, but okay, so that's a normal process for you. You ch- your children need employment, and well, you think, have connections. I think everybody tries to look out for their their kin. Mm. You know, if, I'm sure that you probably would try to find your cousin a job at mickey d's or something if you could be helpful to them in that way <laughs> yeah i i mean i guess if you knew someone who was working at mickey d's maybe you could try to find them a job through that person Jaybridge, have you ever been in a mickey d's <laughs> well yeah anyway there's reasons to believe that 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 trump will hammer biden on that and that corrupt biden will become the new uh talking point right Okay, so let's recap. So, again, the tipping point here is that Iowa caucuses and New Hampshire primaries are coming soon. Uh, whoever wins those two, if they win those two, that person is likely to be the nominee. That person's likely to go up against Trump. And that's our hope for ending this regime. And if we don't end this regime, there's some serious consequences. There, I, I've heard some dire, dire 
predictions about what it would mean for Trump to have four more years. And obviously, there's some reasons to be concerned. Climate, climate change, climate emergency. There's no bigger tipping point than the 11 years we have to prevent runaway climate change. And if Trump is elected for four of those 11 more years, we're fucked, to, to put it bluntly. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, there's a huge problem with Biden getting elected because there's, a, I think, a very healthy chance that, that Trump will eat him for breakfast. And um, Well, his campaign is made out of uh, donuts and, and <laughs> what was it, cereal? Donuts and cereal? Frosted nom, nom. Flakes. Frosted Flakes, yes, exactly. Yes, and so once that, that sugar high of Biden sort of fades and we realize, oh, Biden's just another one of these elites. He's another one that's that's, you know, pandering to corporations. And that element of truth, I think, will really empower Trump to 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 to, to have an effective campaign against him, where that will fall f- flat largely on on Bernie Sanders. So I think, yes, a I think we have a huge liability in Biden that we could lose to Trump. B, what Biden's currently proposing to deal with climate change is grossly insufficient. If that's what he's proposing now. Once he's elected and all the pressures, all the corporate pressures are on him, he's going to be actually trying to pass something much less than that, which is, you know, basically means our kids are going to have a really not pleasant future. And so that just can't happen. Well, so volunteer and, and let's, now. Yeah, and let's – let's. I, I have serious concerns about Biden being president, but I will say I prefer him over Donald Trump. Um, and so let's focus in real quick on the what Trump looks like if he's the president for four more years. Some indicators. One, he just changed the federal regulations in regards to protected wetlands and streams, making it easier to dump pesticides, chemicals, effluent into federally protected wetlands and streams. Right, And this is just an indicator of an, a long, ongoing erosion of all of the protections that were keeping people healthy um, or you know, keeping communities, especially of poverty or of color, um, protected from the worst ravages of corporate greed or um, large-scale agriculture, whatever whatever the the um, source of those pollutants are. So that's one, and there's there will be more of that. Wait, of course, are you, are you trying to say that that climate change isn't a hoax? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to say that it's not just climate change; it's a whole series of environmental catastrophes. The PFOAs, right? We're finding that there are going to be that PFOAs are probably in every single human on Earth, and that there are water systems all over this country that are contaminated. And we don't have the money or the political will to fix any of it. Is that is that uh, the byproduct of Teflon? Yes. Okay. And uh, that and and also uh, being used in flame retardants, uh, uh, it, it fire extinguishing fluids, and we're that gonna kind of stuff. We're going to need flame retardants for, gonna... the, for the flaming twenties. So yes, work. exactly. But then and then and then finally, and I think this is probably as big of a tipping point as anything is that Trump now says he's open to and probably would engage in in his second term in cutting Social Security and Medicare, two of the biggest and most successful programs that the government actually engages in to help people especially the elderly, but also the permanently disabled and uh, people without parents, keeps them out of poverty and keeps them healthy or at least moderately healthy. And those programs would come under the knife as well. So, and, that, and, that, and that brings it back to Biden too because that means – because guess what? Biden said he was open to cutting Social Security. Yeah. And Biden has not been strong on Medicare and, and expanding Medicare. So 
do we want a candidate who protects Medicare and Social Security? Who is that? Bernie Sanders, right? I mean, it's that's Bernie Sanders. Absolutely. So four more years of Trump, good God. Four years of Biden, eh? we're still kind of fucked. I, I'm sorry. Like, I, there's a lot of uh, flack being dished towards progressives that are going after Biden, but we need to do this because it's literally an existential crisis. If Biden is nominee, we're fucked. So, okay, okay, let's let's wrap up on the positive, though. There are things to do. Taking action now. There's a real reason to believe that we can, and by we I mean candidates who are not taking money from billionaires. Sorry, guy. Sorry. <clears throat> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you're shaking your fists. Jaybridge, you, you're swinging your gold sack above your head right now. I was just trying to get this fly off of the gold uh-huh. sack. But don't you guys care about climate change? Like, won't that kind of cramp your style a little bit if if like your your beaches are well, flooded those wine big... caves are climate controlled aren't they yeah most <laughs> of my properties are climate controlled I, I would say um, i mean that last party we had that was a good one yeah it was yeah, yeah. but don't trump you, was there don't you think life would be and a Biden. little worse yeah. for you guys and jeffrey I've... epstein <laughs> oh boy wait so you oh, are don't talk about that Biden, oh, trump and epstein. oh did that come out i think he's dead they think he's dead? Yeah, don't. Did he, Wait a minute. Did he Breaking kill news. Jeffrey Epstein is not dead. Did he kill himself? I don't. I think he I was at that party last week, actually. <laughs> oh, wait. He this is a bombshell, folks. We're going to have to commit an entire episode. Will you, are you willing to commit to come back to talk about this? Of course. I've got nothing better to do. I just we, we love it here. tailor some suits and talk to some of my executors. But otherwise, I'd yeah. sell some cat food. <laughs> Are you folks going to do anything in the run up to the primaries? Do you have any plans in regards to politics? Are you are you out there supporting a candidate, making phone calls? What's your plan for the next couple of weeks? I'm just going to get my nails done. I think tomorrow. <laughs> You're unconcerned. You seem unconcerned. I mean, I really, whoever would be elected, I think I'll make do with it because but, uh, I've invested pretty heavily in most of the lead candidates at this point. But don't you billionaires think that life, even for you, would be kind of not so good if there's massive chaos, instability, you know, refugee crisis? We're talking about a, a billion refugees by 2050. Like, don't you think like that would cramp your style a little bit? There's always space. You know, that's what I say. Is yes. I don't see why we have to live on this shit rock anymore. Well, th- it's also th- there's also oh, profits kind of here. Jay Bridget says here that you. You were actually involved in a lot of the contracts that were issued in Puerto Rico after the hurricane. So it seems like you've made a good amount of money off of natural disasters. Disaster relief services, uh, my portfolios with disaster relief services have been doing great. And also my portfolios with um, fencing and barbed wire and guns, um, tear gas through the roof recently. Yeah, I mean... you too could be a billionaire if you invested in, um, in well, disaster maybe, relief. Maybe right not now. you, but right now. Well, somebody, also, somebody like you. Maybe not I, you. Not me. Ms. Witherington, it also seems like a lot of people probably will be eating your product in an apocalyptic future. Cat food seems like it would be a mainstay. It's, of, uh, it's high quality. It's high quality ingredients. And it stays good for a long time. So in, like, in the blasted wasteland of the future, whiskers might be a... An important commodity. I have bunkers full of the stuff for my cats, just in case. 
It's maturing in your wine cave. <laughs> well, it's 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 a different cave. I wouldn't put it in the same cave with my with my wine, but I do. I have a few bunkers dedicated to my cats, just in case the worst happens, so that Fluffy will be safe. Do you need anyone to maybe help? Clean the litter boxes. I or? already have a very good cat sitter, but thank you. All right. Well, thank you two for so much for being on. I'm glad that you feel confident about your future. I don't. I don't. I. I. Um. I have some faith in my community, and I have some faith in uh, the political process still. So I, which may, maybe is a, a little naive, um, but I believe that we could actually maybe make a difference in the next couple of weeks. See, this is, I think, where we maybe differ. <laughs> what do you mean? I have, I have very little hope in, 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 in that we can really change things, but... Oh, my God, what, Matt? <laughs> you seem like you're always the optimist. No, I just... I just like, I care about the people around me, the, the, the children I see, the people that are going to be around in 2050 when this really, like, comes to full shit show, Armageddon-type things... And even if there's one in a thousand chance that we can turn this around, like, damn it, I'll fight for it. Like, even if I'm not optimistic, like, even if there's just a fragment of a chance. And we don't have that. We have actually Bernie Sanders, arguably the front runner. Um, most money raised. A lot of polls showing him winning Iowa. A, a poll just came out showing him winning nationally, which is a new thing. Um, it's actually conceivable that bernie sanders could be the nominee and then i think we do have a snowball's chance in hell in, in, in fighting this shit <sighs> well okay that was a mix of some optimism and some real darkness there um but there are things to do and you still believe in doing those things so um you can go online and you can find out about texting for bernie um and making phone calls for bernie um there's other things you can do of course in the coming weeks. Um, it's been a pleasure to uh, to have this conversation tonight. Thank you so much for being here, Jaybridge Gold Sachs. Thank you. And uh, Eleonora Witherington III. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure to have you here. I hope you guys will return um, in coming weeks. I would love to have your thoughts on the election as it comes up. And uh, Matt, always a pleasure. Yeah, and I would just put it out there that you know that we're all here making this happen with Democracy Coffee. Um, it's not only keeping us awake at this late hour, but it's uh, funding the operations that we're, we're, we're using to get the word out about money and politics. So if you like what you hear, find some Democracy Coffee at your local store and yeah, keep us going. Great. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Thanks, John. Bye. Good night. <laughs>